Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story by Elise Pettis that she first shared on the show in March of 2012. Here is Elise now with a story we call Strangers in the Night. When I was 13, I looked like the kind of girl that would make a responsible babysitter. That's what my aunt and uncle thought when they offered me my very first job. They wanted me to watch my younger cousins, Tom and Rebecca, who were age three and five, while they went out to a party. And I was thrilled. It was 1974. It was the Hamptons. And most of the adults I knew played hard and worked hard. But when I saw them, they were mostly playing hard. We lived about a mile and a half away from my aunt and uncle's house. So that night, my mom drove me over at about five, dropped me off. And the first big mistake I made that night was to ask my aunt if my best friend, Mousie, could come over and help me babysit. And she said, sure. My aunt didn't know my best friend, Mousie, very well. My best friend, Mousie, was so much fun. She was so resourceful but she was also so naughty, especially since she had moved to California and come back east with all kinds of grown-up knowledge that was completely new to me, like how to smoke pot from a used V8 juice can, and how to steal high-end swimsuits from an expensive boutique by shoving it into your tank top in a certain way. And even that very week, We'd gone out to lunch together at a sandwich shop and found ourselves short of the bill. And my friend Mousie ingeniously pulled from her pocket three beautiful African glass beads that she had just shoplifted that morning and ceremoniously left them on top of the bill. And as we left, we skipped out of that restaurant thinking that we had really done right by our waitress because those were some beautiful glass beads. So my aunt and uncle went out, and Mousie came over, and then we, when it came time to put them to bed, we read them stories and sang them Joni Mitchell songs, and they went to sleep. And afterwards, Mousie turns to me and she goes, let's see what's in their liquor cabinet. And so we mixed up two big glasses of gin and orange juice, and we, we tossed back each of us two of those gin juices in about 20 minutes. And... It's my first time drinking hard liquor. And so we weaved our way back to the living room, sat down and watched an episode of Columbo, giggling the whole time. And then after a while, it came time for Mousie to head home, which she did. And I readied myself for my aunt and uncle's return. And I did this by pulling down off their shelf one of the biggest books I saw that looked serious. I started a chapter... And I guess I must have drifted off. The next thing I knew, I wake up 
to find myself on a road in the dark alone. And I, I, I looked around and I saw the corner of a lawn and it, it was my neighbor's lawn. And I looked up and I could see my f- own front door. And I'm flushed with panic and horror because clearly in my sleep, I've abandoned my cousins and walked off into the night barefoot a mile and a half back to my house, leaving them alone. And all I knew was that no matter what, I had to get back to that house as fast as I possibly could, any way I possibly could, hopefully before my aunt and uncle came home. So I turned on my heels and I started running down the road in the dark. Now, I knew that they lived on Lumber Lane and I had biked there many times, but in my current state, I wasn't so sure of anything. I came to a T and I looked right and left and I had no idea which was the right way. And I saw this this ranch house about 50 feet away with a light on. And so I I staggered towards it and stepped up to the door and I saw a figure coming towards me from behind the door. It was a large man in a dark brown hooded robe looking a lot like a monk. And I heard a voice, a woman's voice behind him go, who's at the door? And he replied, it's just some drug addicted teenager. And I said, oh, no, 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 I I just need to find out where Lumber Lane is. Can you tell me where Lumber Lane is? And he looked down at me and he said, get out of here. Get off my lawn and get yourself off of drugs. I backed away and I turned back to the road and I thought, of course he's right. But right now I just have to get back to that house. And I figured at this point that I just keep running until I found a street sign that would give me some sense of my bearings. And I finally came to this lit intersection that looked something like the center of the village of Bridgehampton. And there nearby was a gleaming limousine. And I staggered out and waved my arms in front of the limousine. And a woman poked her head out and said, Hey, what's going on, kiddo? (laughs) In crescendos of giggles behind her, I look in and I can see past her a car full of women and a guy at the wheel with um, tinted glasses on, playing it cool. The first woman asks, says, honey, why don't you get in the car? And so I do. And as soon as I'm in there, I'm enveloped by long arms and long nails and lots of laughter and suddenly they want to know all about me. And they're all cozy and squeezy and honey this and honey that. And as we pull off into the night, they promise that they're going to find Lumber Lane. She says, my name's Candy. This is Linda. And that's when Linda said, hey, Candy, should we tell her what we do? And they all went, no, no, let's not tell her what we do. No, we can't, we can't. And Candy goes, oh, what the hell? We're in sexy movies. And Lou here is our producer. Hee, hee, hee. And everyone laughed. And, and Lou leaned back and kind of gave a nice nod. And 
I was still pretty blottoed, but I was starting to relax a little bit. I was still terrified, starting to relax a little, realizing that these weren't kidnapper killers, nor were they the judgmental ladies' mothers from the tennis club nearby. Um, and, and I might just make it through. Even when Candy kept asking me, honey, you sure you didn't take anything earlier? I kept insisting that I had not. Mostly because I was so mortified about the whole experience, I thought that if I just willed it to go away, it would. So I direct us to go left, and then another left, and then another left, and then the next thing I know, we're back at the intersection where they picked us up. And I look up, and I see two signs. One sign says Montauk Highway, and the other sign says Lumber Lane. So everybody titters in the back seat, <laughs> and we um, head off down Lumber Lane. And as we pull up to my aunt and uncle's house, I can see that their car is in the driveway. And my stomach lurches because I, I, I immediately know that all of my dreams of being employed for the summer are dashed. And I sit in the back seat with my head in my hands and Candy says I should just go in and talk to my aunt. Just face it. So I get out of the car and go up to the door and my new entourage is behind me and I knock and there's no answer. I open the door and Candy and company tumble in after me and I see my aunt in her bathrobe blinking in the living room light and she says, Elise, what are you doing here? I drove you home two hours ago. And I immediately feel flooded with relief. And Candy and Linda are laughing and Lou is chuckling and, and this is followed by some awkward introductions and then some assurances by Lou that he will drive me home so that my aunt can go back to bed. And he does. And this time I, I'm a little sobered up now and I, I know my way back. And they drop me off and as I'm getting out of the car, Candy says to me, Honey, stay off the bottle at least until you're 16. I sneak back into the house, I climb into bed, and I cannot believe that I got through this night. But I know that the next day is going to be my day of reckoning. As soon as my aunt looks at the bottle, puts two and two together, she's going to call my mom and I'm going to be done for. So the next day I wake up, I go about my business with full of expectant dread and nothing happens. My mother doesn't say anything. I see my aunt a few days later and she doesn't mention it. And then even weirder is the fact that she must have talked to her friends because they want me to babysit for their kids. And it turns out the babysitting jobs start rolling in. And looking back on it, all I can think is, well, it was the Hamptons, it was the 70s, and maybe everybody was just helping everybody else out because all of them, all of us were blotto. That is all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.